Is passion enough to usher you into your life goals? What about having a mentor? Our guest artist this week is Spencer McGear, a plein air watercolor artist who found his calling at a tender age of 12. He took a chance through a letter sent to an artist, which changed the course of his art journey and led him to be the artist, teacher, and mentor he is now. In this episode, Spencer and I talked about key elements of a good design, taking chances and risk in art, why having passion is a sure way to be successful in anything you decide to do, the importance of light and shadow in plein air painting, techniques and step-by-step process in painting landscapes. If you want to be part of the conversation, then send in your questions and topics you want us to cover to hello at etcherlab.com. Hey, this is Jesse from Etcher. We believe in your power to create, so we invited artists from all around the globe to inspire you to keep on creating. Join us in this journey and let's celebrate creativity. This is Make More Art, the podcast. First recollection of being interested in art and started drawing when I was, I'm going to say fourth or fifth grade in school. <laughs> um, when I should have been listening in class, I was drawing in my notebooks and and uh, uh, sketching uh, what we called funny cars. They were um, the trend back then was to draw these animated race cars, if if you will, that were almost had human features to them. But uh, so that was my first recollection. And then somewhere along within a year or two of that, I, I be- began to develop an interest in birds or ornithology. And um, so I started drawing birds and uh, Roger Torrey Peterson was a, 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 a bird artist, I guess. He created a, a series of field guide books that had, he did all the illustrations in them. And so I had a, had one of those and I, I copied copied his paintings first, first drawing them out in, in sketchbooks. And um, uh, so that, that was really my first introduction to art and my, to my first love. And from there, I wanted to become a wildlife artist and mm. uh, I started started painting. Um, uh, I'm trying to think the first, first real painting I did, I think was in acrylics. Oh, and, um, okay. uh, you know, just, there's just been so many, like I say, it's, it's a, it's a lo- long journey there. There's been so many influences when I was younger. Um, there was a wildlife artist who was nationally known here in the country. I think back in the seventies when, when, this was taking place. He was probably one of the top wildlife painters in the country. Mm-hmm. And I reached out to him one day and I, I this is before the internet, you know, you, you sent a letter and I, I, I was home Aww. six from school when I was 12 years old and I wrote, wrote him this letter and I just explained who I was. I lived up in, in Northern Minnesota in, in the Midwest here in the United States. And um, I just wrote him and I, I, Told him I was interested in being a, an artist, a wildlife artist in particular. I loved his work. Would he look at my work? And about six weeks later, I get or six weeks later, I get this big packet from him. Oh, wow. and it was it was uh, uh, of course a, a letter in there as well as some artist proofs that he had signed and sent to me and stuff. And, and he just basically told me he said I'm a very busy person. He said, um, and he offered me some suggestions, and they those suggestions weren't viable. So long story short, I ended up sending him, uh, 
a small packet of my work. And he was kind enough to take and uh, redraw every, everything I sent him and wow. change the composition and the design. And at the time, I didn't realize it, but looking back and verbalizing it right now, you know, he 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 did for me what I try to do for for our other artists who take my workshops and my classes. Uh, you know, I try to impart to them the, the importance of a good design because that's that's the backbone of any good painting. And, and I just think back, he's you know, he he gave me little rules. He said, never go with even numbers of birds or animals in, in a painting. Go with odd numbers because they balance out better. And, uh, you know, so, I mean, here's this guy who's one of the top painters in the country taking time out of his very busy schedule to help a 12 year old become a, become a painter. And we, we communicated for probably, probably five or six years. Wow. Um, as I got into my teenage years, I discovered girls and art was less <laughs> important to me and things like that. But, uh, I, I remember I, one of the letters I, I had sent him, he wrote back to me and he, he chastised me pretty hard. He, he said, he said, you're either going to become a painter or you're not. And I mean, he, he scolded me. He basically said, you're, you're being lazy, you know, mm -hmm. not a hard, uh, enough of passion for you right now, apparently. And he said, now you're going to do one of two things. He said, you're either going to get mad and fold up your sketchbook and walk away. He said, or you're going to pick yourself up out of the dirt, dust yourself off and get after your art. And, um, 40 years later, I still remember that letter. It, you know, it really, 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 it hurt, but it was the best thing I needed to hear too. So, so that, that's helped drive me through all, all the difficult times as an adult trying to be an artist too. That's a very interesting story. You said that it was a long time ago, but you recounting that memory feels like it was just a few years back, <laughs> especially that letter. And I'm glad that you found your mentor at a very young age and you took that courage to write that letter to that artist and that, that you look up to. And great thing as well that he replied, but he took the time, like what you said, out of his busy schedule to reply to a 12-year-old. That's, that's really very kind and generous for him to do that. And the communication continued on for, you said, six years. And that letter sort of make or break, which led you to become the artist that you are now. And you know, I've interviewed a lot of artists here on the podcast, and each of you have their own stories of how you started. But so far, this one is very unique in a way because uh, because of that letter. And at the same time, at a very young age, you found the courage to really push, uh, follow through with your with your passion. Yeah, so, I, yeah, go ahead. I, I, was, I was just going to say, you know, I. <sighs> Um, I, I guess it's just part of my makeup, but I'm I'm never afraid to take a chance. Like write write to somebody like him, or there, there's been other examples in my life that they escape me at, at the moment. But I I know there have been times when I'm I'm willing to take a risk that other people think, well, you're you're crazy for doing that, you know. And it usually pays off. And that's one thing I would tell people: if if you feel something or you're passionate about something, go ahead. And, roll the dice you know you know the, the worst that could have happened was he'd have thrown my letter in the trash and i'd never heard from him that's but true as it was i got valuable insight from him and i, I wouldn't say we were ever friends because i never did get to meet the man but you know he he helped helped me get up on the next rung of the ladder in my art career just by the 
just by, by some tough love, they're tell, telling me you better yes. either get after or get out. You know? so. Yeah. And sometimes we need that, that tough love, because it's easy to be complacent and say that, okay, this is a hobby and I can do that today or I, I won't. And, you know, find fill my life, fill my time with other things. But mm-hmm. that letter <laughs> asks you to, make you to make a choice make a decision whether this is who you want to be or not and right. you made the right decision to pursue art so and I, I would also mm-hmm. say that it, yeah. you know there's nothing wrong with you mentioned being a, a hobby painter there's nothing wrong with being a hobby painter uh, you know not everybody's cut out to, to do it at a professional level and right. that, that's perfectly fine what, whatever level you want to uh, want to paint at or or sculpt or whatever whatever somebody a creative wants to do whatever level they want to work at that's where you need to be if 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 you if you love it if it's part of your life you'll naturally gravitate towards a higher higher proficiency in it right that's really a good point now you did mention that you became a you, you started with acrylic is that right spencer um yes i i, I just remember as you know, nine, 10 years old painting this, it was a bald eagle flying and it, you know, it was in acrylic. That's, that's the only thing I remember about it. Okay. Why, why acrylic? Maybe that was the, that was the one they available this time. you know, <laughs> that my mom could get me. By. <laughs> I was, uh, my mom, I lost my father when I was six years old. Um, so mom raised four kids as a single parent and, um, it, you know, I just, I remember her struggles and, and, you know, there, there were times she wasn't able to put a lot of food on the table, but she always managed to f- find the funds to get me whatever art supplies that I needed. So she was she was probably my biggest uh, uh, not only supporter, but encourager, uh, you know, as, as a child. And I think that that is a key factor to that ushered you to where you are right now. Um, you know, we've, we've all heard that stories when as a kid, you, you can see talent, right? That that kid has has this desire to pursue art, but then given the circumstances and this mindset that it's, it's just a hobby. It's not something that you should pursue. Sometimes kids are not encouraged. They were not provided with the environment to pursue creativity or to pursue art and i'm glad that your mom did um despite the circumstances surrounding that during that time you said she managed to put some fun and to support you and encourage you being your cheerleader um in your art journey so yeah kudos to your mom and i'm sorry for for your dad uh, losing him at a very young age now let's talk about watercolor yes when did you realize that this is something that I really, this is a medium that I would want to pursue in in your art journey? Uh, so l- let me tell you quickly about a, a watercolor influence in my life. Okay. Um, his name's Tom Hill. Um, he's again back in the 70s, the 80s. He was probably one of the top watercolor instructors in the country mm-hmm. uh, workshops all over the world. And he was phenomenal watercolors. I lived at that time. I lived out in Arizona and he, the reason I got to know him was because he was uh, a, 
a client or patient or at the clinic where my mother worked. Oh. And, um, so anyway, he, uh, she, she knew him. I never did get to meet him, but she knew him and, uh, she got to know his work and she would tell me about it and tell me stories about talking with him. And she would talk with him about me. And so anyway, around about that time, he came out with, uh, a book, uh, it's called color for the watercolor painter. And I just, he just painted with color. He didn't paint with a lot of detail. Mm. Um, he, he just, he just, to me, such a phenomenal artist. Cause he could, uh, you know, he could, he could not only paint what's in front of him, but he could create a scene, uh, working plein air, you know, working out on location. He would, he would sketch figures and put them in there and doing different things. He was just such a phenomenal painter. So, um, he, I, you know, he, and all, he solely painted in watercolor at that time. And I really, really loved his work. And so I think that was the, the catalyst that piqued my interest in watercolor. And then the first watercolor I remember doing, I was 16 years old. And I was, my mom had, had gone to see my sister. She lived in Europe at the time. And so I, I was, me and my brother were holding down the fort back home, you know, uh, but some, somewhere in that window of time that she was gone, I, re I remember doing this, this watercolor of a lighthouse. And um, oh, from that, from that point on, I, I always worked in watercolor. Uh, now, now I, I work in other mediums now too, but uh, for the bulk of my art career, 30, 35 years, I've worked in watercolor all that time. And I love that he started with Lighthouse because yeah. when I look at your works, uh, they're just be they're beautiful, by the way. And uh, you do a lot of plein air painting, yes. right? And uh, we'll talk about the awards in a bit. But the plein air, when did you discover that you enjoy painting outdoors? Uh, probably about 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and it might have been a little a little farther back then, probably about 14 years ago. Um, somewhere around 2008, I, I got wind of a plein air competition, which for those that don't know, plein air is just simply painting outside on location. I like to broaden the context of it and say it's really painting from life or drawing from life, you know? So by that, you know, if, you, if you're working in a studio from uh, with a model or something, to me, that's that's still kind of the same thing. Mm. But for the purest, plein air is painting outside on location. Um, so I found out about this event that was uh, about an hour away from me. And I took my 12-year-old son over there with me. And uh, so anyway, we, we both set up and and arrogance will bite you every time. So you got you got to be careful with it. And I remember going over there thinking, oh, I'm going to I'm going to go over there and just clean up with all these. Cause, you yeah. know, I just myself than I should have. Well, I got over there and there were some great painters over there and they just, uh, to, to use a phrase, mopped the floor with me. You know, I mean, I, my, I didn't get anything. My son, he actually won, uh, I think he won first place in the youth division, oh, uh, but wow. I, I didn't, I didn't win anything. So, so I, I got humbled and put in my place and, <laughs> okay. and that's a, that's a good thing. And it's an, another yeah. lesson, like, like that artist was telling me, he said, you're either going to get mad and quit or you're going to, you're going to get up and, and go at it again, you know? So, mm -hmm. uh, uh, but anyway, I always get a kick out of that story because I, you know, I, I was just so full of myself at that, I guess, at that point in time. <laughs> but it, but the, so that was my first plein air event. And then like the next year, I found another one. Uh, I live in Illinois in the Midwest and uh, Indiana is just one state over. 
And uh, so I went to this other event over there and uh, there were a hundred and some artists painting there. And it was just such a, a good feeling to get to talk with all the other painters as well as just working out, out in the fresh air, working from life, seeing you see so much more when you're working from life. Uh, you know, a camera can't begin to pick up the nuances in the shadows yes. under a tree or something like that, but your eye will see that. And although you don't put all of that in, you you just kind of package it all together. You see little aspects of it and you incorporate that in your painting. And uh, so at that that event, though, I, I did win first place in watercolor. So <laughs> <laughs> that was a great a story. Yeah, that was a great story. And boy, your your son, you said a 12 years old won an award first place. So yeah. how many kids do you have, Spencer? I, I have three. I have three. three kids. Are they all into art like yourself? Um, my, my old, oldest son, the one that, that won that award, he is so talented in so many, so many ways. Uh, uh-huh. he, right now he's working a lot in stained glass, but he oh, doesn't, wow. he doesn't paint, but he does stained glass work. Okay. Uh, but he, he's, a, he's a singer, an actor, a chef, I mean, uh, plays the violin. Uh-huh. I mean, he just, he's just one of those that's been really been blessed with, with an overabundance of talent. Uh-huh. Uh, my middle son, he's he's not really artistic. Although when he was younger, I I thought he had a shot at it, but he just he didn't have the passion for it. And mm. that's to me, that's the number one thing. And then my daughter, she is uh, she's the oldest child, and she is uh, she works in a lot of fiber arts and and things like that, from knitting to to felting and different things. Oh wow! Uh, but yeah, they they you know they each just carve their own path in life and. Um, I, I try to encourage them and support them with, you know, so with whatever it's, they're working on. Yeah, it's your turn now to provide that enver- environment where exactly. your, your yeah, children, yeah. yeah, are encouraged to create. Wow, very talented kids taking it from your from your side, I guess, I would assume. <laughs> um, yeah, there's not too many artists on my wife's side. <laughs> so sometimes, if, you know, uh, sometimes people that aren't artists, uh, they, they struggle to understand what makes an artist tick. You know, I, and I, I think there'll be a lot of people listening to this that will will get that. You, you know, people just don't understand them. Uh, they, they appreciate what they do, but they don't they just don't grasp, fully grasp it, what drives us. Yeah. You talk about passion earlier, that it's it's key and it's very important. And I read in, in one article that it's that it, it isn't something that you can manufacture. It has to be come from within. And if you really want to do something, it'll show it will shine through if you really have the passion for it. Mm-hmm. Now you you've been an artist for, for for a while for a long time how 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 much have you evolved all these years you you mentioned that you have changed subjects from then to now now you're more into plein air and painting from life so mm-hmm. why what would you say would be um how how you evolve as an artist what has changed all these years for you spencer Oh, um, boy, there's, you know, I've been painting for 45 years now, maybe longer than that, probably close to 50. Um, uh, I, I used to paint, go for hyper realism, oh, uh, particularly wow. when I was doing, doing birds and things like that. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I don't have any desire to do that anymore. Even if I sit down to, 
occasionally I'll still paint a bird or something like that or or somebody's pet or something like that. I, I don't go for the the realism. Um, I might put all my energy if if I want anything to be realistic, like if it's a, a cat or a dog or something, I might put put all that energy into the eyes to make them look you know really really moist and lifelike. And then as I get away from that, I just kind of diminish the detail and, and everything. I see. Okay. Um, uh, but you know, I mean, so much, so much changes and, and a better change or, or you're not growing as an artist, in, in my opinion, um, you know, like subject matter, I'll, I'll paint anything because, because the subject I'm really painting is the light and the interaction of the light on an object and the shadows that it creates. And, and, uh, so my, my subject, you know, they'll say, well, do you like landscapes? Do you like, yeah. you know, do you paint portraits, whatever. I'll, I saw I'll dogs as well. Yeah, I saw yeah, dogs. The, the play of the play of the light on it is, is what I'm what catches my attention. So it it could be a vase, it could be a, a person that's having bright sunlight hit them on this side of the face. It could be um, you know, it could be a a dumpster or something, you know, a trash can in an alley. And if the light's cutting down through the alley the right way, and that 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 trash can can become the center of interest in that painting not by virtue of what it is, but by virtue of how the light is hitting it and hitting. interacting with it. Mm -hmm. I so think, uh, yeah, it's, it shows in your works as well. And you, you did mention the, the play of light and how it is hitting the, the subject or the object that you're trying to paint. Mm -hmm. How important is light? Uh, Spencer, because I, I know for, for a lot of our, especially for beginners, that is something that, that we <laughs> struggle with. Um, it's, I'm not sure how to position it, whether is it really something that's difficult or is there a technique to be able to achieve that light hitting the object and how it is reflected into your painting? Is there a trick that you could share with us on how to achieve that or well, at least uh, reflect that in our me, painting? Okay, so for me, um, something that is brightly illuminated um, like right now, the sun is shining outside. It's a beautiful day here in the, in springtime. And I'm, I'm probably going to go out and try to do some plein air painting after a while. And mm -hmm. a, a day like today for me is much easier to paint than an overcast day. Uh-huh. Because you have basically hard edges that are created by the way the light falls on something. If, if it was a foggy day outside or really overcast or rainy, everything is subdued. The color saturation uh, is diminished. There's the hard edges disappear. And for me, it's easier to paint something that is, it is has stark contrast on it. So then from there, what I, what I would recommend people look for is figure out how you can break whatever it is you're painting up into three or four large shapes you know find like find a, a like if sunlight's hitting the side of a building okay you've got you got that bright bright side of the building and then you got the shadow side and then you may have some trees and sky around that i isolate those shapes and but by virtue of keeping it it's simple like that there's light interacting on all the leaves on the trees and different things like that but they are, if you try to paint all that in there, it's going to just clutter up the painting and make it too busy. So you want to just find yeah. those large shapes and, and the light in the dark will do that for you. 
and then you know start by painting that. And then when you get towards the end of your painting, then you can embellish it with a, a few more details. But I, you know, I, I work to keep it simple, and I think it's just the way I'm personally wired. That's why I like like the interaction of light, light and dark, because mm -hmm. it, it automatically makes it simpler for me. Right. Simplicity. I think that's that's a that's a key word uh, from what you just said. Because most of the time, for for especially for beginners, side, we want everything all together. We want to paint everything that we can see. Yeah, but yeah. hearing you talk about simplifying things, working with shapes, it will allow us to focus on things, and the the composition would really show when it's not too cluttered mm -hmm. and it's simplified, like what you said by starting out with shapes and uh, playing with the contrast of dark and light. Talking about the, because you've recently taught with us, you have shared your, uh, during the live demo. So the, the mini workshop is happening this Friday. So up on this recording, you're probably watching or listening to this recording on a Monday. And Spencer has already done his mini workshop. So you better check out the link that is posted on the on the site on this on this episode on their show notes. But for your mini workshop, Stephen, uh, Spencer, rather, what is it that you will be teaching our students? Okay, so um I in in my live demo, I, I focused on teaching gradient washes. Uh -huh. uh, particularly a sky wash, and and I'll we'll carry on with some of some of that in this mini workshop. But what I want to focus on in the mini workshop is taking a scene and, and doing exactly what I just talked about, simplifying it, isolating these. I guess isolating is the right word, but but basically com combining similar values um, into a common shape. And that that's going to simplify it down. So uh, it, I, I've got I've got something here I could show you that. Yes, it, please. Yes. Okay. This is this is one of the things I'm going to to utilize with the the um, oh the in the workshop that's coming up. Okay. So you you can see oh. this right here. Yeah. Okay. So up in the sky area, we're going to focus on on you know loose loose. Two things: loose painting, a lot of moisture up in here, but we'll also focus on negatively painting around these trees here. Mm. And that—that—that's negatively paint. Negative painting is a very powerful tool. Um, mm -hmm. But but also, you, you can see how I've, I've taken just this photograph and used a, a sharpie or a marker to outline the common shapes in there. So I've I've simplified it. We've got one shape here, another green greenish shape here. We got yeah. this orange shape, which the trees morph into this grain silo right here, mm -hmm. which comes around and, and goes back up in here. So a man-made hard object, an organic natural object here, but yet they are the same shape, the same, they're part of the same, same shape. Yeah, same, same shape. Yeah, same color. And, and so that is, uh, it, you know, that's going to be the essence of this this workshop. And then, of course, brushwork and mixing colors. We'll talk about color theory and, uh, you know, why why I choose a certain color to go next to another color because it's going to it's going to make it appear brighter, more intense or something like that. This is an interesting I, I think you, you nailed it, especially the, the foundational um 
technicalities of painting, uh, especially the contrast. So this is some of the things that as a beginner, we often missed out. But I believe through this mini workshop that you will be doing uh, and sharing with our students, they will be able to grasp to grasp this foundational skills, which is very important and key for them to be able to achieve a painting, especially for landscapes. So if you are keen to learn more about what uh, Spencer has shared with us in, in this episode, then go ahead and uh, watch the recording. Uh, we will, again, put in the link on, on this episode and on our show notes. So Spencer, teaching. I know you have done workshops. I've seen some photos on the ground wherein you have conducted physical workshops. And I'm not sure how or what is the situation over there. You're in, uh, did you say Illinois right now? or Illinois, Illinois. Midwest. Okay. I'm not sure what the, the, the situation is right now in terms of the pandemic, but have you... Because you've always done physical workshop, right? Have you done any online uh, workshops as well, given the... Yeah. Um, with with COVID, uh, of course, that shut everything down. Yeah. And uh, uh, everybody was scrambling, trying to figure out how, how yeah. life goes on, you know, when you, you're not true. supposed to leave your house. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, I've, I've some of the locations that I have taught in-person workshops before, I've met with them and we've figured we would try some zoom zoom workshops and they've actually gone real well. And my opinion is uh, online teaching like zoom and Streamyard and all, you know, just all, all the, all the different formats that are out there. It's not going away. It, it, yeah. It's just another tool now in the, in the teaching toolbox. Uh, it, it doesn't replace in-person teaching, but it, it, We've, we've honed our, our skills where the cameras do a good job and you've, we've learned how to light. And so, you know, you, yes. you get a really good experience at a, a very minimal price. And for That's those that, that can't travel, don't want to travel, don't have the resources to travel, you, you know, they can take an online class it's, and it's, it's good. But like I said, it doesn't replace in-person. I, I still like in-person teaching where I can walk around, where I can, you know, I, I can point to a student's painting an area that I, I think is really good or an area that yeah. may be a little bit weak. And, uh, you know, I can sit down and paint on it if they, if they're willing to let me do that. Uh, I'm happy to make a few adjustments for them. Uh, so, but yeah, teaching, I, I, I really love to teach. Um, and I find that like one of my flaws is sometimes I, 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 I give too much information. In other words, the students are okay. are, not, are not experienced enough to absorb uh, everything that I'm throwing at them. And so I'm always trying to put on the brakes and, and keep it as simple as I can. <laughs> okay. And so that's why I, th I think, you know, like talking about simplifying shapes, if they can get that, well, they can do a whole lot better job than if they're trying to paint every leaf on the tree, so to speak. I'm sure our audience and our students will benefit a lot from your class. Now, let's go back quickly to, to, to teaching. You, um, I remember referencing back to the story earlier from your mentor when you were 12 and mm -hmm. he giving you tips and providing feedback on your works, um, redesigning, you said, uh, recreating your, your, your works and showing you what, how important design is. Now, in your teaching style, is it something that you've also adapted? 
I'm asking because I want to understand what your teachings are. Although you touched on this a little bit earlier that you tend to give a little bit more information, but you're now learning how to put on the brakes and simplifying things. But do you also show some tough love to your students as well? Or what is your teaching style in terms of providing feedback as well? Okay. Um, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a good question because um, I, I, I won't, I won't tell an untruth to a student, but I will try to find a way to package the truth where it's, it's palatable. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, you, you know, we, we always start by bringing out the good points. You know, if, mm. uh, if somebody gets, gets called into the boss's office for yes. be reprimanded, they, they try to build them up first <laughs> before they, before they let them down, you know, so um, I, I try to find, you know, just I, I try to find the good points in in a painting, and even within the the weaker areas of a painting, I'll I try to find the good stuff that's going on there, and then offer suggestions that you know if if this color was warmer or cooler or you know if you had a little more blue in it or or some you know something like that or or it's awful busy you know one of the things that pops in my mind right now is I'll see. I'll sh I'll show them, and I always take them through the through the painting step by step, so they get to watch me do a given area uh, before they ever do it. And many times they will still just follow their own path. And like if it's trees, you know, I'll I'll, I'll treat this whole shape with a, a dull variety of colors, basically. Mm -hmm. Uh, not a lot of little brush strokes. Well, then I go over and look at theirs and they've got all these brush strokes going on there because they've tried to put all the leaves in and everything. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll, and I'll try to find a, a gentle way to say, look, you know, this, this just is really busy in here and it, it's distracting to my eye. Uh, why don't, why don't you take and, and take your brush and wash over that and try to knock some of that down. Yeah. And so, so that, that's how I try to communicate what they need to correct in their painting. I think it's a, it's a good way to provide feedback because that that's really the role of, of the teacher, right? To be able to guide the students and to give honest feedback that will make them better. And uh, I think you're very effective at that given your experience and the number of people that you have taught um, mm -hmm. in your career. Now, this is your full-time. You're, you're doing art full-time. Is that right, Spencer? Yes. Okay. Wow. Amazing. And, um, Given this this length of time that you have been painting, is is there something that um, probably a, a practice or a a way of working uh, within art that you would say challenge or a belief that most people do when, especially when working with watercolor, that personally you would say. I, I, I want to challenge that because, or something that you don't necessarily believe in, if there is one thing. In other words, uh, commonly held beliefs within the painting world that, that I would challenge, I, I might not agree with. Or, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, well, one that comes to mind, you know, I, I hear people say that there, there's uh, no such thing as talent. Mm. Um, and we, and we, you, you talked about talent earlier uh, in this interview. And I, I would politely disagree with them on that. Um, I, I'm a person of faith, so I, I believe that my talent is God-given. Uh, and I, and I, be I believe I have talent. But to that end, I think that passion that we were talking about yeah. is 
is a huge part of that talent. Now, it, in, I believe anybody can learn to draw, anybody can learn to paint, but it's it's the passion linked with that talent that's going to carry you through the times when you when you've painted your your fourth terrible painting in a row and you've thrown it in the trash and you think this this is stupid. Why am I even wasting my time? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you want to walk away from it, but that passion that's in you that's it's integral. It pulls you back to it. I've got, I've got to go. I've got to try again. Uh, you know, I, I've been doing doing my painting full time since 2014, uh, but for the years, the 30 years prior to that, I you know I was raising a family. I had a day job. Uh, I, I was doing all sorts of different things, and my art would take a back seat. Sometime mm-hmm. for for months at a time, maybe, maybe six months, I wouldn't wouldn't paint. But there was there's something in me that I always had to come back to it. And, um, you know, and I, you know, that's crafted how you will, but I, I, I link that into the, the talent aspect of it. And, uh, you know, I, I hear some people say, I, anybody, you know, anybody can learn to draw wonderful and be great. Uh, yes, you can, you can be taught things, but you've got to have that inner, inner drive, which I, which I would term as talent and, and the passion. So. Thank you for, for sharing that Spencer. I, I, I absolutely agree, specifically with passion. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think in everything that we do, if there's, we have been given gifts and talents, mm-hmm. but it's up to us to cultivate that and use it. Yes. And uh, in your case, more than using that talent and cultivating it, you're also sharing it with other people through teaching your techniques and sharing it um, with anyone who would want to kickstart their art journey. So it's been wonderful chatting with you, Spencer, and I'm, I'm excited for your mini workshop. The mini workshop is happening on March 4th. This episode is airing on March 7th. So if you are, if you, if you've watched Spencer's live demo, I'm sure you're pretty interested to learn more about his techniques and uh, from the things that he shared on this episode i'm sure you have gotten a lot of nuggets of trinkets of wisdom from spencer so if you would like to learn more about his techniques and paint just like spencer then go ahead and watch the recording of his mini workshop that is on the etcher studio website before we wrap up spencer is there anything that you would like to leave with our audience especially for anyone who is in their probably kickstarting or on the verge of starting to create or make art, what sort of like golden nuggets or pieces of advice that you would like to share with them? I, I think don't, don't be afraid to fail. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's when, when you fail, that's, that's, that's when you learn the most. And uh, I had been written down here in, in my notes here about experimenting. And I, I it's taken me years, if not decades, to real to give myself the license to experiment and try doing different things. And when you know you may have a vision for something, a, a new way to apply paint or a new a new technique or something, and you know it's probably not going to turn out great the first time. But that's how you you, know, you got to be you got to be not afraid to to make those mistakes. And uh, that that's how. That, that's how you will shine as an artist. That's how, to, to use another cliche, you know, you'll find your voice as an artist. Your work will stand out from other other artists, and that's one thing I've learned. You've got 
you've got to, you can't paint like everybody else. Anybody that takes my classes, I don't want you to paint like me. I just want you to pick up possibly one or two new techniques that you didn't know about and then apply them however you see fit. Because if you paint like me, you're doing yourself an injustice. Learn to learn to paint. Uh, you know, be for, don't be afraid to make mistakes and find out find out who you are as an artist. Wise words from Spencer. Thank you so much for sharing that. I, I guess it's that courage to not not to be afraid to fail. Spencer, thank you so much for sharing your experiences with us. That story from childhood that is just priceless and um, for all the techniques and pieces of advice that you've shared with our audience i'm sure they are all excited to watch your mini workshops so please continue doing what you love uh you're inspiring a lot of people and i hope to speak with you again simply take care of yourself and thank you again for taking the time to speak with me and to be part of the make more art podcast i'll thank thank you so much for the opportunity take care spencer Okay. Have a good one. Bye Thank bye. you. Bye-bye. That was a good trip down memory lane with Spencer. He inspired me to push forward, to take it on and make it happen. To not be afraid to make mistakes even. Because he's absolutely right. What's the worst thing that could happen? So what about you? Are you ready to take the leap? Do let us know through the comments associated with this podcast at etcherlab.com slash Spencer. We would love to hear your thoughts, so please drop us a five-star review on the Apple Podcast, or you can find us on YouTube at Etcher Studio. And, oh, hitting the subscribe button is greatly appreciated. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll catch you again next time. Until then, let's make more art.